0: Welcome to Close the Deal, a podcast designed for dealers. We're super excited about this. This is episode number one. I'm Jake Watson, your moderator, VP of marketing, and with me is Nish and Rich. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves? Hey guys, I'm Nish. I'm EVP Revenue
1: for the company. And hi there, folks. My name is Richard Texera, and I'm the SVP of sales for the organization.
0: So uh, a few housekeeping items here. We're going to be doing this bi-weekly. We're very excited about it. We're going to have special guests every so often. And the idea here is for us to uh, provide you, our valued dealers, with uh, information that we hope you find really valuable and at the very least entertaining. Um, We're going to kick it off with three episodes. We're going to be rolling out three episodes all at once. And then from there, you'll be able to get bi-weekly episodes that you can listen to at your convenience. And if you have... Any questions, concerns, feedback along the way? Please do not hesitate to send me an email, Jake. It's jwatson at snapfinancial.com. With that, let's get into our first episode, which is tips for selling at the kitchen table. So let's just kick it off, guys. Where do you uh, where do you want to start? Can you can you uh, give us some some tips for selling at the kitchen table?
1: Tips for selling at the kitchen table. The ultimate the ultimate question for any sales professional who is listening to this right now. I think, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that it all starts with the ability to gain trust from your customer. And that that ultimately is what you're looking for. Um, now we'll talk about on this podcast on how to establish trust, how to get trust, but that is ultimately what you're looking for. And that trust is really a gateway, if you will, that you can walk through, that is ultimately, and, and I think this is really important here, that's gonna allow you to understand two things, in my humble opinion, which is one, your ability to identify and differentiate your customer's wants versus their needs, right? And I think we've all heard this, right? Wants are infinite, everyone wants something, but it's actually what they need is, is what you're looking to try to drive, right? You can add wants afterwards, once you've established what the need is, but that's really your ability to drive trust is going to be your ability to get that information out from your consumer. And then I think the second piece to this, and again, why you're establishing trust is so that you can get an honest response on what the problem is and then address the problem. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm shocked at how many, you know, sales presentations and conversations I've been a part of and field shadowing and all these things where, you know, you come out of that kitchen table and you, you talk to that person, and you say, hey, did you actually establish what that person needed and what that person, what the problem you're addressing. And you'd be shocked how many sales professionals come out of this and say, well, I think, well, you think, well, were you listening? Did you ask questions? Did you actually establish the level of trust you needed to be able to pull that information out from your customer or your consumer for you to then properly identify what you need to provide them and how to solve that solution? Yeah, I think, you know, what what
2: you just mentioned about trust, I think, I think it's important, right? Because a homeowner is calling upon you and your expertise to help them solve an issue. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the core of it, right? Um, and to build that trust from the get-go is extremely important because then they're comfortable and they open up and they tell you what the issues are so you can build the right solution for them. Um, we all want to sell as much as we can, but Let's be honest, not every single customer is going to buy everything you have, right? Um, And the key is that you want to give them something that is going to solve their problem. I think that's the biggest issue, the the, the biggest part, right? And that's how you build trust is, you know, you listen to them, you ask them the right questions in terms of them opening up to you, and then you build the
1: solution that they need, not what you want to sell them. Be empathetic is another way directly and indirectly that we can drive trust from our customers right like oh i see you're just you know making dinner for the family that's incredible i hope to get home in a little bit and put my little guy to sleep or make dinner my wife's got dinner my husband's making me dinner or i might grab something out take those cues both visible and verbal and use them in your ability to build that conversation and i remember the the uh the prospect at the con- at the time was talking about their timelines and and et cetera, and mentioned that, you know, they weren't going to be good for a follow-up to follow next week because they were going on vacation. And, you know, me just kind of, you know, being new to it, just said, well, that's fine. That's great. We can actually book that meeting uh, the second you get back. And, you know, lo and behold, it was fine. Nothing blew up. But as we walked out of that meeting, I remember my mentor, and and most of you hopefully do this, when you do a field shadowing on audit or someone's with you, that you actually kind of study the game tape after the meeting. Right. And we talked about how it went and how we thought it went. And, and he asked me, he said, hey, like, do you think you'd And I thought that was an odd question to ask. I said, of course I listened." You know, he told me he had a vacation coming up and I, you know, made a point not to book that next meeting there that time. And the follow-up, you know, we do the following week. To which he responded, well, clearly you did not listen. So now I'm stuck. Like, well, why don't you just tell me what I messed up with here? (laughs) And he said, listen, man, he softballed it for you. He was telling you he was going on a vacation, your next natural question. He didn't need to divulge that information to you. He could have just said, hey, I'm not good next week. Can we make it the following week? But he dropped that for you. He threw you a softball. And I don't know how it's possible to strike out in softball, (laughs) but you struck out, Rich. You had an opportunity to ask about that vacation and build further trust. Right. Um, and those are those small cues we don't listen to, right, like whether it's you know engaging like oh the dog's barking, we just kind of mm-hmm. you know try to kick the dog out of the way, no, like talk to the dog talk right. to the dog, have conversations, right, embrace the kind of um. You know the outliers that are coming at you, and actually pause to understand and listen and respond back to those as a human being would. Right, and then they're going to feel an interaction with you, whether it's hey, like oh, you're just putting the kids to bed. Great, I hope I get to see mine before you. Like, yeah, you're creating a human relation where you're looking to build that trust. They are seeing you more than simply a person who's in that room mm-hmm. or on sitting at that table looking at them purely as a dollar bill or a wallet that you're trying to get a portion of their money out of. Yeah. I think, I think to your
2: point, I think, you know, don't go in to a call thinking about just the transaction. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's the relationship that matters. And it's the human element that matters, you know, humans buy from human beings. Yeah. Right. And it's important to understand your surrounding. And to your point, Rich is like, Look at the cues while you're in the house when you first get it. Break that ice, you know. Mm-hmm. Talk to talk about their dog, their kids, whatever it is, uh, and that's how you start building trust like, so that you can then go into your sales uh, and your pitch and your presentation and hopefully
0: come out with a sale. It's like it's putting up bridges, right? You're, you're building bridges. Yeah. There's the trust that is unbiased, yeah, non-product related, which I'm, I'm, you're, you're absolutely right, obviously, and then there's the trust that you know that you build based on the product that you're selling, but demonstrating that you're listening to the issues that they're having to their needs. Right.
1: You know, I think if anything, it starts with, with your basic introduction, right? And that introduction is so imperative of where you're grasping or where you're looking to get that trust. Right. Then you kind of shift into needs analysis, right? Like what is the need, but you can't skip these steps because you can't just go to someone and be like, Hey, Jake, like, Tell me what's wrong, and and while you know we like to think we live in a world now where everything's super fast, that's going to rub off people the wrong way, right? And again, given right. that like, listen, people can smell stuff <laughs> from a mile <laughs> away, <laughs> and they'll smell either desperation or they'll see that as an aggressive sales tactic, and then just feel cheap, right? Like the one principle, and, and we and we'll talk about this in kind of future sessions here, which is I tend to look at things from a kind of a, a philosophical approach and how I've learned to understand people. Because really sales is a byproduct of your ability to do things right. Mm -hmm. And it starts with, to me, understanding what are their pain points? What do you know of most people going in? Well, here's what I know of people for the most part. No one wants to be sold. Mm -hmm. Buying signals pummeled onto them every single day. Thousands of buying signals is why we have branded clothing. Mm -hmm. So Nike, you want to buy someone else's Nike shirt because that looks cool or whatever. We all know this. So the first thing we got to understand is as much as even they filled out a lead and they tell you they're motivated, they still don't want to be sold or feel as though they've been sold. So that establishment of trust, how you hold yourself, your demeanor when you're walking in, your professionalism, how you look are all vital things to establishing trust in your introduction. Acknowledging the barking dog, acknowledging the crying baby. Again, it's about them. It's not about us. Once those introductions and that trust is established, then you get into the asking questions, right? And what you're looking for is you're asking those questions are those verbal and nonverbal cues, right? Are they nodding to everything that you're saying? And here's a good trick. When you're talking to people, nod yourself. People mirror people. you got to follow that pace car. That pace car is your customer. So if they're a fast talker, you need to speak a little bit faster. If mm-hmm. they're a slow talker, you need to slow down. And what you then end up doing Is you start establishing yourself on the same communication wavelength, and I know that sounds cheesy. I'm not flipping tarot cards, (laughs) but I mean it. You want to get on the same communication wavelength, yeah, Um, so that you're talking at the same pace, Mm -hmm. and that you've established that. So it means either slowing down or speeding up. That's what you're identifying in your intro. Then you get into your needs analysis, which Nish you brought up, and it's just asking questions, just talking, and then through there in the responses. You're getting your understanding of needs versus wants, mm-hmm. which then gets you into your assessment, right? Then you have wrap up, and then you have close or close and wrap up, everyone. And that to me is a five step sales process that I've always worked on. Again, I just want to recap that intro needs assess or needs analysis, assessment, and then wrap up and close. It can be interchanged depending on what your sales process is, but the wrap up is so vital because again, folks, we got to understand we just walked into someone's home. You could have been watching the J game, the Leaf game, the Oilers, the Flames, whatever it may be, even though they knew you were coming and you got them excited, for lack of a better term. They're now, their heartbeat's going. They're now looking seriously at a purchase that can cost them anywhere from $6,000 to $80,000. And now the blood's pumping. These are real decisions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take the proper time to wrap them down, bring them back down to where they were before you got in there, that person is just going to be wired when you leave right so just imagine it's like giving a kid a bunch of caffeine and then being like peace out i'm out of here <laughs> they're just going to go hyper that consumer is going to go hyper and i and i usually analogy- now why is
0: that bad like what is that what does that mean are they then <clears throat> going on google and trying to find like they're researching the topics that you talked about and may find a
1: competitor or why what, what, like what is that there's the good bad and ugly in there yeah. and, and all those things you're yeah. you're bang on, man, they're going to, they're going to go. They're going to doubt themselves. Do I really want to spend $80,000? Like, do I really want that like roof? Do I need those sidings? Do I need any of these things? Mm -hmm. Do I want any of these things? Mm -hmm. And again, established needs versus wants. The goal is to, for anyone who's gone fishing and you do catch and release, I learned this the hard way very young. You don't just chuck the fish back into the water. (laughs) It actually shocks the fish's system Mm -hmm. uh, because they've been out of water for a while. And that fish actually will die,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And what I was taught a long time ago is what you actually, the proper way to release a fish back in the water is, you know, obviously take the hook out, put them back in the water, like actually just hold them above the water and splash them and kind of shock them back. Not shock them, but then they'll kind of get them comfortable, back and yeah. the get comfortable with it. Then you hold them in the water for a little bit, long, a couple more seconds, and then let them swim out of your hand. Mm-hmm. They've now reacclimatized back themselves, back to the environment they were just at. That's what a proper wrap-up does. You're bringing that person back to the same level they were before you got to the house, which is cool, comfortable with the decision they're making or about to make or what the next steps of that decision are going to be and are now not calling their buddies, Jake and and being like, go oh man, like I, you need to walk me off this ledge here. I can't believe I'm about to do this. I didn't think it was going to cost this much. If that's happened, two things. We haven't established proper trust. Mm-hmm. We haven't established proper assessment of needs versus want. And we definitely did not do a proper wrap up.
0: Mm-hmm. For any fisherman listening, it, we all know that <clears throat> that's actually not true. <laughs> it's oxygen getting back into the gills. Yes. <laughs> Too technical. Too technical. For yeah. Yeah. Scientist, fishermen.
1: My mentor whatever, was not a marketer. <laughs> What's that? My my mentor was, was not a fish.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the one of the things that Rich you get kind of touched on for. For a minute there was, you know, establish, um, like, the credibility of your company, right? I think that's something that we should yeah. cover off because I think it's important as part of the mm-hmm. um, part of the presentation, right? Yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, Google reviews, right. client testimonials. I think these are becoming more and more uh, kind of mainstream and important uh, as part of the presentation. Right. I think um, everyone whenever they need to search for something goes on google Mm -hmm. right and if you go to a restaurant you look at the reviews right like it's just become part part and parcel of how we how we live now right right? and i think it's important to ask for these reviews yeah right not just wait for the customer to do it because i'll be honest if they don't ask me i don't write any reviews right right um but if they ask me i'll do it yeah because you know i think it's important to leave your thoughts on what the service was like assuming they're happy right and you'll know you'll know agreed 100 right right? but i think for 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 a salesperson to kind of bring that up right as part of the conversation or also let them know hey have you been on on google have you checked our reviews right there's a review about me right right this customer that i sold to tell them those stories right right? and if you have testimonials or even a video message from your customer that bought from you and was happy Like, that's the ultimate, in my opinion. So I think those are the things that also matter in in terms of building trust, both for yourself as well as the company.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that sets you up for your next sales visit, you know, perfectly, right? Because if a, it's almost like you're, if you can get somebody to give you a positive Google review, and, and you know, most people are checking people out online before the salesman comes to, or salesperson, excuse me, comes to the door uh, then at the end of the day, you're setting yourself up to, to, to be successful because you've, you've established credibility already by, by asking people to provide you with those reviews. Right. And so the moment you walk through the door, you know, 50% of people will have already checked you out, which means you're walking into a situation where you have credibility. hundred percent. And I think, I think the other part also, you know, I think the
2: the car industry does, does this well. And I, speak to it because my brother's in it right but every time he sells a car he takes a picture and posts on posts on instagram he tags the people right like cool that's the other part that i think is becoming Mm -hmm. larger and larger right Mm -hmm. like use social media to your advantage Mm -hmm. right uh because i think it's important and it's going to be even more and more important as we kind of go down this path of social media
0: Mm mm-hmm Okay, let's get into the features, benefits, and advantages. Cause FBA. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> I, I love this concept, even though I forgot the last, what the A stood for. No worries.
1: Well, yeah. so like I said, of the five kind of things we were talking about, I know I, I definitely went into one and two and then kind of jumped to the wrap up before, but the assessment slash recommendations really were FBAs come in, right? And and again, folks for for those features, benefits, and advantages. And an old sales mentor of mine talking to me about it. And he said, Rich, you got to know your FBAs. And I said, well, what does that mean? And I remember the same thing. It came after a, a sales call. Uh, you know, I was field shadowing him and we just happened to be standing uh, by my really, really bad. I think I mentioned this before. My, my dad's old 1989 Ford Taurus. <laughs> and he goes, Richie, I wish I could tell you there's a lot of FBAs on this Ford Taurus, but let's start basic. <laughs> he goes, Rich, here's, here's a feature of your car. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, it has tires. <laughs> right. And now, you know, as so a folks, in all sincereness, like this was actually the example here, but, you know, we wanted to laugh a little bit at the time. And he goes, and, but he broke it down to his most <laughs> rudimentary uh, kind of functions there. And he goes, Rich, a simple thing, like don't, you don't need to overcomplicate it. Your car has tires. That is a feature of a car. Surprisingly, there are people who will sell cars that don't have tires, <laughs> but you, the tire is a feature. And I was like, okay. I get it. So it has tires. And he's like, that's it. Stop. The feature of this car is that it has tires. Right. So, what is the benefit of that tire? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, Are you really looking for an answer for me? He's like, no, <laughs> yes. Like, tell me what the benefit of that tire is. I'm like, it goes round. Exactly. Right. So, the benefit to this tire is that it is shaped round, which means it is going to be a much smoother ride right? It's not square, which is going to be bumpy and you're not, you're not going to gain durability. Like the, the benefit of this tire is that it is round. And the advantage to you of a round tire is a tire is what, Rich? I'm like, well, seeing that it's not a square tire, I'm assuming it's going to be a better ride, better traction, more safety. He goes, exactly. Like there's probably a hundred advantages you can come with. Pick one. So the feature of your Ford Taurus is that it has tires, the advantage to you is that tire is round and the benefit of round tires to you as a consumer in that it addresses your needs, that it gets you from point A to B in the most efficient amount of time or the quickest amount of time with the most fuel consumption because you imagine how much your gas you'd have to use if you had square tires having to go <laughs> side to side and those address your concerns. Now, that's a, you know obviously a very um, you know, comical example, but it's the one he used and I took that to anything I actually sold afterwards. And I always would challenge myself with any products to understand three basic features of it, the benefits of those items, and then the advantages of those. And to be able to articulate that and and craft it in a way that, again, those advantages address the problem solutions or the problem that you're trying to create a solution to. Mm -hmm. So that was FBAs, and that was the assessment. As you go through that, you're then identifying with that customer through those FBAs that address their concerns, what the best option is.
0: How, okay, so I'm gonna get really specific here. Do you have any tips for dealers looking to raise their average ticket size? It's
1: offering financing. And I think people look at financing too my optically in the sense that it is a payment method that offers monthly payments. And while yes, at its core of it, that's what it does, But it also allows you to do so much. It allows you to offset maybe a cost of an overrun of a construction project that they may not have funds for, would have to go out and secure additional funds for. It may allow them to actually get the equipment that they need um, because maybe the equipment they need is at a higher price point that they just can't afford. We know that average Canadians or most Canadians um, live on an average of about $5,000 in their bank account. And, you know, so can... Can that help out? Yeah. Like, you know, the, the challenge with credit cards, while be it so convenient, the more you charge in the credit card, the more interest rate, which is obviously the case with everything, but that interest rate's at 20%. Financing that's actually, if making payments going to look good on their, on their um, credit scores is actually going to show that they're making timely payments. It's going to allow them to then have flexibility in their ability to get items. And you can do that simply by, I hate to say the word, playing with amortization rates, but it's the lever you pull. Like we've been able to show dealers how they can add $8,000 worth of product to a sale, whether it's through additional items or a better system. But absolutely financing provides that assistance and ability to to drive a higher ticket item. And that's what financing allows you to do, which is know your worth, drive and then address the needs of your customer at a price point that they're comfortable with, that they can pay off in monthly installments and you make, it's kind of the measure twice, cut once. Because I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than doing a job, you know, renovating a kitchen and then all of a sudden looking at it afterwards when the work is done and going, I'm not happy with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and being annoyed and kicking yourself mm-hmm. every day you walk into that kitchen or that bathroom, every time you look at your roof or whatever it is, and saying, right. like, God, if I just brought you know that upgrade or that that other product offering, I'd be happy with what I gotta live with.
0: Which time. which also can negatively affect your outlook of the company that did the work for you, right? right? I think I think the uh, the other
2: part is also financing gives you a, a platform that's not going to cost you anything because you put it on the credit card. There's fees, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it that, that's that's one part. But the other part is you're leaving opportunities on the table, mm-hmm. right? By not offering the option. So mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the biggest thing for me is why would you not sell your best product mm-hmm. by giving the monthly payment option to your customer? It increases your revenue, it increases your margins, and it gives the customer a better product. Right. Right. And let's be honest, everyone wants the best. So why not give it to them and mm-hmm. at least give them the option? If they don't choose it, it's
0: fine. Right. But give them the option. But it's part of consumer behavior today already. It's right. It's everywhere. It's something that Absolutely. we've been we we become accustomed to.
2: Guys, we go on Amazon and they have monthly payments. Right. Amazon. Like yeah. you could buy diapers yeah. and put it on a monthly payment. Right. So like we are talking about thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. in home improvements, mm-hmm. where if we don't offer it, we're doing a disservice, right? right. And we should, because what's the worst? They say no. Okay, then take the cash, take the credit card, and
0: you're still winning. Right. So the consumer behavior is there. We, we, we're used to it. We become accustomed to it. The customer wants it because they want that product. Correct. And at the end of the day, it benefits the dealer because they're going to increase their average ticket size 100%. No lose situation. But
1: even more importantly, the customer gets what they need. Yeah. 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 versus what they want. Right. And again, it, it it could be additional items that are added into into you know in, in the in, in the HVAC industry, it could be adding maintenance programs, extended service programs. In the pool industry, it could be adding chemicals and liners and things like that. There's so much where you can add more value into it by by leveraging financing that allows you to address a whole bunch of check marks that the customer's looking to check off
0: gentlemen maiden voyage it's been a pleasure uh just some uh closing items here great canadian dealer showdown emails should be coming your way start submitting your volume today and uh enter for your chance to win fifteen thousand bucks there's tons of weekly prizes monthly prizes uh, go to dealershowdown.com, uh, to check out for more details. Um, the dealer Alliance, this is the all-star Alliance. Uh, if you've, uh, if you've heard about it, awesome. And you want more details, ask your BDM. If not, uh, if you haven't heard about it and you want more details, you can do the same chat with your BDM or send me an email at jwatson.com. Uh, at snapfinancial.com. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, this, is, uh, this podcast is, is meant for you. And we would love your feedback, comments, questions, whatever it is. Jay Watson at snapfinancial.com. Uh, our goal here really is to, to you know, to, to develop a platform that's useful for you, um, that allows you to consume content on your schedule and uh and at the end of the day like i said you know we're we're here to to ultimately provide you as with as much value as possible so hopefully you found this educational more importantly hopefully you found this uh entertaining uh niche rich been a pleasure fellas thank you you until next time